Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Fool me, we can't get fooled again. Good to go? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, this is Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. I'm Ben Kissel, as always, joined by Marcus Parks. Marcus, I am soaking wet. Oh, yeah. yeah gross, right? <laughs> it's not like when that. a lady says it. No, I'm a six foot seven monster. I'm never supposed to be this wet. I got stuck in a, uh, in a rainstorm. I was outside during the exact five minutes where uh, it was pouring, and then I got down to the subway, and I got back up, and it was birds chirping. It was a Cinderella world. The entire thing was animated. It looked like Walt Disney himself had created the day. But of course, I got so lucky, because that is my life, that I got stuck in the only five minutes of rainy weather here in beautiful New York City. We had Simon or Bobby coming in about 140 or so to talk about the Iran nu- nuclear deal uh, with the United States, and uh, some people are upset. Some people are thrilled. But you know what? Everyone's bored, which is really important. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> vital to remember. So we're going to discuss, is it Neville Chamberlain going and appeasing the Germans in music, Munich? Or is it Richard Nixon going to China in 1972 <laughs> and making the world a better place? We'll get to the bottom of all of that. But first, let's discuss the best presidential candidate in the world. That is, of course, Mr. Donald Trump, who has beefed up security on account that he has a beef going with the one and only El Chapo. El Chapo. This is straight out of the Three Amigos, that wonderful uh, um, Martin Short, Steve Martin, and I believe there's another. What's the third? Uh, Chevy Chase. Uh, Chevy Chase, yeah. Uh, straight out of the Three Amigos movie, Donald Trump picked the fight with the wrong Mexican. Emphasis on the word can. <laughs> And what can El El Chapo do? Escape from prison in the nicest tunnel I've ever seen. Honestly, if if that tunnel was located in beautiful Williamsburg, Brooklyn, it would be 2500 bucks a month, and you would need eight roommates just to live in it. Uh, he escaped from a, a supermax prison in Mexico, but his cell looked more like a, uh, like a dorm room uh, that was on the corner of the, uh, corner of the dorm. You know, all, all, It was always the corner dorm room that was the nicest, yeah. that had the shower and the bathroom, and everyone uh, always wanted and was always envious of that person who lived in that room, and that was the punishment for the world's largest drug dealer, the man they say is responsible for roughly 90% of the cocaine that has come through America. So let me just say this right off the top. Thank you, El Chapo. Thank you very, very much. Without El Chapo, you'd still be about 350. I would still be 380 pounds. Uh, Thanks to your weight loss plan, Mr. El Chapo, I've lost 160 pounds. I'm Ben Kissel. I'm here to tell you about the El Chapo weight loss plan. Turns out you just have to almost flunk out of college and you'll lose 100 60 pounds on some random dude's disgusting product that's been funneled through the hands of different people who are cutting it with baby laxative, baby laxative, and maybe some Vicodin. Who knows the kind of cocaine that I was able to actually get once it came to Wisconsin. It went through a lot of buttholes, a a lot of different hands, and I'm sure a whole series of broken homes. So, anyway, El Chapo, he escaped from uh, escaped from the Supermax prison in Mexico, and he uh, what happened was he went to prison, I believe it was, what, a year ago? Something like this. Uh, he's been in prison for a few years, okay. I think, yeah. And they started doing construction uh, just a few miles away, not even a mile away, closer than that, uh, to the prison, 
from the prison that uh, El Chapo was kept in. And uh, so they were building this tunnel the entire time. He got down. I believe it was his bathtub that just lifted up as if he really is a supervillain. You know, he just hit a button, his bathtub lifted, and he literally went down to a massive tunnel that you could walk right through. The two people who escaped from upstate New York, they did it the hard way. Oh, yeah. El Chapo literally got down, and what did he have ready? A motorcycle. (laughs) I mean, you can't even make that up. He was just like, yes, I will escape from prison, but can you give me a ride? It's not even nice enough that he would have to walk the three football fields uh, that it would take to get to the construction site that would inevitably lead to his release in the beautiful lands of Mexico. He actually got a nice uh, motorcycle ride. But once he got up, he heard wind of Mr. Trump's negative words towards the Mexican people. And believe it or not, El uh, El Chapo took it seriously. He took it personally. He took umbrage. He took umbrage. (laughs) We had a little El Chapo umbrage. And he went and he immediately... What did he do? Did he shoot him? No. Did he shoot? No. Did he cross over the border? No. And yell at Donald Trump? Did mm-hmm. he approach him in any way physically? No. But he went to the modern day version of the where we go when we're angry with people. What do we do? Do we call him? No. We go to Twitter. And he said <laughs> at Donald Trump. And it's one of the best tweets I have ever heard. The original tweet, which led Mr. Trump to beef up security and uh, has him scared for his life. He said. Keep fucking around and I'm going to make you swallow your whole words, you fucking whitey milk shitter. He's a milk shitter. (laughs) Whitey milk shitter. Donald Trump is a whitey milk shitter. I want to hear Jeb Bush say that in the first debates. (laughs) Mr. Trump, I'm sorry. Your stance on immigration is bullshit and you're a whitey milk shitter. I don't even know what that means. Whitey milk shitter. I just love it. This is why, I mean, at the end of the day, El Chapo is very wealthy. He has a lot of power. Uh, He's he's long gone by now. And of course, what they do in, in the neighborhood uh, hood that he uh, is from. He's a he's a Robin Hood type. You know, he gives a lot of money. It's it's very similar to what ISIS does. It's what everybody does yeah. to win the hearts and minds of the population in order to ensure your safety when you're doing terrible uh, illegal activity. And uh, so he's going to be completely fine in the area that he is in. But Donald Donald Trump is uh, is terrified. But they, at the end of the day, El Chapo is just a 50 year old, however old he is, just an old guy on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he sounds more like the Iron. Sheik. Isn't that that's the exact tweet that the Iron Sheik would give to Hulk Hogan? Yeah, you white milk shitter. (laughs) This is what I don't get because he sent another tweet to him. That wasn't the only one. Right, right. Another one. He said, "Keep screwing, and I'm going to make you eat your fucking words, you lousy white faggot." Whoa, faggot. He spelled F A eight eight O T eight eight. Yeah, he didn't do G G. He did eight eight. Fag eight. <laughs> that's a that's a whole nother thing. Hey, interesting. So he's sending offensive tweets to Donald Trump. Yeah, but of course that all plays on the heels of Mr. Trump's. Uh, you know, I guess very offensive, inflammatory at the very least uh, stance uh, when he you know when he mentioned all the Mexicans being rapists because as we discussed in the last show, eighty percent of the women uh, that come through uh, Mexico uh, for to, to immigrate here. Um, some say illegally, and that mm-hmm. would be probably right technically, um, have had uh, situations of sexual assault. 52% of the uh, illegal immigrants right now in this country are Mexican, so it's really a blown out of proportion um, 
group of people to attack wholly for the immigration problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the, uh, that issue is, of course, as these people come from faraway lands, uh, they travel through terrible places, and sexual assault occurs on the way. So eighty percent of the women that come here have been sexually assaulted. So the idea that eighty percent of the people who come here are sexually assaulters is wrong. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so that's what he took uh, major, like we said earlier, umbrage with El Chapo. That is. But this now is uh, blown into a larger situation. And what we have right now is a 1988 Dukakis moment. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's, you it's thinking this, this is guy, a ta- you thinking this is his tank moment? Th- no, the tank. No, we want to talk. Chris Christie had a Dukakis tank moment when he played softball for the <laughs> NYPD. That was Chris Christie's tank moment. No, yeah. what I'm talking about here is uh, scapegoats, right? Oh uh, yeah. So there was a Willie Horton ad. It's a famous political ad from 1988 uh, when when Dukakis was running against uh, the better Bush for whatever that means. And of course, it was about uh, Dukakis had a weekend release program where people who were in prison could go out for the weekend and uh, see their families and theoretically um, transition back into society. Right. And uh, Willie Horton, a fellow, he ended up raping and and murdering a woman. So this ad was used to make Dukakis soft on crime. Of course, the Dukakis tank moment doesn't help. But this is a different story here. So uh, what I am saying, why I say that is because the new Willie Horton is this man, Francisco Lopez Sanchez, which is the most Hispanic name I've ever heard. Francisco Lopez Sanchez. Yes. So uh, he's a perfect person uh, to, to fill this, uh, to, to fill the, uh, narrative that a lot of scared tend to be white, but not always white, but scared, you know, more traditional thinking Americans have when it comes to people that are different than them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened was San Francisco is a sanctuary city. There was a gal, her name is Kate Steniel, I believe, and uh, she was murdered by by Francisco Lopez Sanchez because San Francisco is a is a um, sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. And basically the point of a sanctuary city, if you're for the left, the point is that this will increase um, illegals. It'll allow il- uh, illegal immigrants to go and talk to the police when crime occurs, and it will make them not so scared of being deported, so then they theoretically can sort of become uh, members of society as opposed to hanging out underground where they're uh you know forced to self-police and 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 forced to um really sort of uh oftentimes become victims of of an el chapo of their own community Mm -hmm. to some degree so that's this that's the point for sanctuary cities that a lot of people in san francisco are making of course the negative side effect is you have somebody like Sanchez who was deported five times, uh, believe it or not, he just kept on coming back, and uh, he shot this woman randomly on a boardwalk as she walked with her father from a with a gun that was stolen from a uh, from an ICE agent, I believe. Really? Yeah, surprisingly enough, out of the car uh, of one of these agents, and nobody knows really how he got the gun, but he, but he got the gun. And uh, so now this is sparking the debate. Sanchez has officially become the face of the uh, entire illegal immigration population. Illegal immigrant population is now being, as Donald Trump is the face of the Republican Party, and most Republicans are just like, no, 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 replace him. Replace him with anybody else. I would rather have, you know, uh, Barry Goldwater. Can we get Barry Goldwater (laughs) to replace him, please? I would love if Barry Goldwater could become the face of the Republican Party again, so we seem like we're just nice people. And of course, Barry Goldwater, you know he had sex with a lot of paddles, and he might have (laughs) nails placed inside of his rectum. The man was into beating 
BDSM. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so you're saying what? Barry Goldwater is the Albert Fish of presidential candidates? Absolutely. He was terrible. <laughs> you ever see Barry Goldwater talk? No. Oh, my skin crawls. I just start doing dishes whenever he starts speaking because I assume he wants them done. I'll clean my room. I'll do anything. Oh, Barry Goldwater is is the country's scariest grandfather. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Donald Trump is the country's goofy uncle. Mm-hmm. Barry Goldwater was the scariest grandfather. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm looking at a picture of the man right now. Am I right? Yeah, he looks like he makes neckties out of human skin. He very well might have. That's actually, that was the cornerstone of his campaign. <laughs> Putting people to work. What's, what's, <laughs> what's the company? Ah, human neckties. <laughs> They're going to be huge. They're going to be huge. So now Sanchez has uh, taken over the narrative when it comes to the immigration debate. And a lot of people on the right are extremely, uh, are extremely upset with the sanctuary city situation. And they're also extremely upset because Barack Obama, and again, we're going to get into, he has been busy mm-hmm. for better or for worse with the Iran deal and uh, passing TPP and things like that. Um, but they're upset that he didn't come out. And talk about it, right? Because obviously, with all the turmoil going on in the country, uh, with the shooting of like Michael Brown and uh, God knows, so Eric Gardner, all these, uh, all these very tragic events, Obama came out and gave very um, impassioned public speeches about them, and, uh, and 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 obviously denounced the actions and attempted the best that he could to create some actual change. The situation in Baltimore, for example, which is all falling apart because Mosley is going to be. They're, they're, they're judge shopping yeah. over there in Baltimore. Nonetheless, he didn't say anything in defense of this woman that was murdered by Sanchez, and that has a lot of people extremely upset. Um, and I think that's that it's 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 valid though because once you start once you start choosing um, victims that you think the federal government should recognize. You're always going to end up inevitably hurting somebody's feelings when you don't recognize their, that they were, in fact, a victim. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this is also a policy where the federal government is now saying, well, we can't states' rights. First of all, San Francisco is not a state. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. They're, but they just don't want to go and do anything with the sanctuary city. The sheriff, for example, in Sanchez's case... He is a he is a, a very uh, sketchy back record. He himself has been in trouble with the law, and a lot of people are saying, "Why can't the federal government go and enforce the uh, enforce the laws that are on the books in San Francisco that just proclaim themselves a sanctuary city?" Obama, who passed very, the irony is that people are saying he doesn't want to go into San Francisco under the guise that the federal government shouldn't overreach. When, for better or for worse, he passed universal health care. Uh, and, of course, um, a whole series of very, very large federal programs. Mm-hmm. But now he doesn't want to touch anything when it comes to sanctuary cities. And I think that actually, ironically, this has been a great week for Trump and his message. Anger is at an all-time high. Fox News is covering the Sanchez case nonstop. And uh, it's playing very, very well into the narrative that Donald Trump so blatantly put out there. Although... A lot of people in the Republican Party, starting with Mr. Rupert Murdoch, mm. today's grandfather, today's creepy granddad, <laughs> have come out against Trump's message. And, have, and he spoke with big old uh, Robert, uh, Roger Ailes and told Fox News to tone it down a little bit. Really? So, but all I'm saying is Donald Trump is sounding, he is being able to create a narrative that the media did attach itself to 
And uh, this uh, Sanchez case has completely helped him with that narrative. He's got beefed up support. And now he's got an arch enemy in El Chapo. <laughs> and so it really doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of speculation that the El Chapo tweets were not genuine, that they did not actually come from El Chapo himself. And you well, know, what? I don't know. I know El Chapo. He's calling people <laughs> milk shitters all the time. That's a classic yeah, go to uh, El Chapo that's, move. That's his thing. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like how Bill O'Reilly calls people pinheads. Yes. Yeah, El Chapo calls milk shitters. That's right. He calls everybody milk shitters, and he's got a whole bunch of new books coming out and a bunch of pens. <laughs> I love the O'Reilly factory, but I, uh, factor, but I only watched the last five minutes because I want to know what gifts to get for Dad. <laughs> he's the best. So that's where Donald Trump is right now, and his, uh, his security is huge. But he's not stopping whatsoever. And I will say also, in defense of Donald, he is giving some very, very fun press conferences at places we don't usually see uh, presidential candidates, such as the golf courses they own. (laughs) (laughs) He gave an interview with Dana Bash from CNN, and it was at a winery. Look at this. This is real nice. It's nice. This is mine. It's all his. (laughs) He's got his plane, says Trump. I'm going to run this country like I run my winery. Good. Good. (laughs) I love wine, but I only like it when it comes in portable plastic containers Mm -hmm. because you always want wine on the go. (laughs) I love some good wine on the go. One thing before we bring Saman in, uh, you talked about how Obama's been really busy lately. What do you think about all of these uh, nonviolent sentences that he's been commuting? It's int- he sent out the, the POTUS sent out a tweet because that's how we communicate in the future. And he mentioned how um, what I think it was a billion dollars or something like that could be used to uh, to fund higher education if we could just get rid of some of these nonviolent offenders in prison. Again, he released, I believe it was 42, 46, 46. Uh, again, there are 2.5 million people in prison, <laughs> uh, the vast majority yeah. uh, for nonviolent offense. Just as taking down the Confederate flag over the South Carolina uh, State House was symbolic, I believe this is symbolic as well. And how sad is it for 47? Number 47, <laughs> who was just waiting in his jail cell, just being like, maybe they'll call my name next. Nope, right back to the fryer, my friend. <laughs> Not for you. So 46 random people uh, were able to get out of jail. I think it does set a good, set a good precedent. But again, it, it, is, it is so symbolic, and it is... Um, attempting to set a trend that I don't think no matter, especially not if Hillary gets in, will be continued within the next administration. Like we talk about on a regular basis, the Clintons are not kind um, and they are very much embedded with the prison industrial complex. Uh, Again, under Bill, it it nearly doubled, more than doubled. It was 1.5 million by the time Bill Clinton got out of office, 800,000 when he went in. So, um, I think it's fine. I think it's symbolic. I think Obama is going to be the coolest ex-president in the history of presidents. But it is on it on its on it, it it makes for a good article. What does it do? Yeah, forty six people. Okay. <laughs> what I mean seriously, that's like half of a jail cell in the tombs beneath, beneath Canal Street right now in New York City. But he's trout. He's 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 out there. Making it, making it seem as if he just had the greatest jail exodus since Moses. Well, he has commuted more sentences than any president since uh, Johnson. 
I think that that is wonderful. I am all for that. But again, but it, all good. This is why we can't have good things. Sanctuary cities. Sanchez is why we can't have good things. Yeah. Right. The, the liberal policy, I think, is absolutely wonderful. And I agree with it on its base that we should integrate people into society so they don't go underground. They can talk to cops and they don't have to have fear for de- uh, of deportation as soon as one of these 46. And, you know, for a fact, one of these 46 people are going to commit a crime. This is going to be used against whoever ends up winning the Democratic nomination, who's it going to be? Oh, my God. Who could win the Democratic nomination? It's up in the air. I heard Bernie Sanders was all the way to 17%. (laughs) I don't know, man. The Republicans are really trying hard to derail derail Hillary, man. Of course they are. They are banging hard on Benghazi. They're banging hard on the fucking email scandals. They're just trying to find those boring things that no one's going to care about. Keyword is boring. The email scandal is going to go nowhere. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to read a middle-aged woman's emails. (laughs) I don't care what her job is. What am I doing? I'm looking over the shoulder of my mother. (laughs) I don't care. The the email scandal is going to go nowhere. It really isn't. I mean, nobody gives a shit. We have, have, uh, what, 14 and a half more months to go before this election. That whole thing is going to get worked out. The one issue that nobody's talking about uh, with Hillary, I watched her economic speech and oh... (laughs) Oh, just, oh, an economic just talking about was boring. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, what, what about Jim is- Mad Money? Jim Cramer. He can give an economic speech, and I'm not bored because I'm talking bulls. I'm talking bears, and I got buttons. I need a button, and I want. A, I want some sound effects. Give me a give me a honk. <laughs> Hillary Clinton had the audacity to take on Uber. Oh. In her speech, she talks about how you know we have a lot of new technological create technology has created a lot of new jobs such as Uber, but and this is a massive but there needs to be regulations and it's like no I'm sorry you know what you know for a fact July fourth. America's birthday. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful day. You see fireworks. I went to a, bar- uh, a barbecue, and on the way to the barbecue, it was $13. On the way back from the barbecue, it was $26. Okay, the exact same distance. I understood that going in because it's supply and demand, right? And the demand went higher, so they were just like, okay, boom, here's 26 bucks. What I didn't have to get in the Uber. No, you don't have to get. There's always. It's not like Ubers are taking over yellow cabs, subways, buses, your own car. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean. So I. Have and no, you can also use Uber to order a fucking regular taxi. That's what I did on New, on Fourth uh, of July. Exactly. Yeah. You can also do that. So, her economic speech. It's just so. When I say boring, I say it's boring because she doesn't mean anything she's saying. Yeah. Because all she's trying to do is be Bernie Sanders light, and I am a man who enjoys extra fat. You know, and at least Bernie Sanders is Budweiser, and Hillary's Bud Light when it comes down to the economics, and you can taste the difference because she doesn't have that full flavor when it comes <laughs> to uh, satisfying and quenching the thirst of people who wanted to hear real economic arguments that would make rational sense in the real world so hillary's economic speech go out there and watch it it was awful she is so desperately pandering to the left and i think she's completely confused on how to on how to do it because at the end of the day she's been in washington dc since 1992 and in politics since she was in utero yeah so it's impossible 
for her to run as anything other than an institution candidate who has been respons- literally responsible for the, for the policies that she is now proclaiming have uh, damaged America so greatly. And uh, I think we'll talk about it with Saman coming up here uh, around uh, 140, and we'll talk about the Iran deal, and we're going to talk about how this is going to, in my opinion, negatively affect her campaign um, but then again, on the flip side, she might be running against Scott Walker. So she can do whatever the hell she wants if she's running against that guy. Bat Boy from the National Enquirer for president. All right, everyone. So we'll be back in a few minutes, and we'll talk to you soon. That no inspection regime and no verification mechanism would be sufficient because they'd find some way to get around it because they're untrustworthy. And if that's your view, then we go back to the choice that you have to make earlier. That means, presumably, that you can't negotiate. And what you're really saying is, is that you've got to apply military force to guarantee that they don't have a nuclear program. And if somebody wants to make that debate, whether it's the Republican leadership or Prime Minister Netanyahu or Uh, the Israeli ambassador or others, uh, they're free to make it, uh, but it's not persuasive. Curly. But Mr. President, Mr. President, what's your favorite brand of cigarettes and why do you smoke them? These nuts. <laughs> oh, man, he didn't get to my question. Hey, Mark Maron's not the only one to have President Obama on his podcast. We're going straight to number one. Uh, we just heard President Obama discussing the Iran deal that just not, uh, that just got negotiated. It's very, very controversial. Joining us, uh, obviously, it's Marcus Parks. And our guest today is Saman Arbabi. Thanks so much for being here, Saman. Thank you very much for having me represent the entire nation of Iran. No problem. You are in. <laughs> You are all the millions of people that 80, live in... 80 million strong, baby. Well, that's right. In the month of Ramadan. And you're smart enough to do just that. So, we've been talking a lot about the Iran deal. Why do you think, first of all, let's just say, I know you're, you're for the deal. Why do you think uh, Obama had to sign this deal? Why he had to get this deal done with Mr. John Kerry uh, at the helm? There are ways of looking at it, but I think it was a good deal on the American part. For several reasons. Okay. A, if this had not happened, the Iranian government would go totally on the other side. We, The Americans would miss out on the pie because the Iranians are already doing business with the Europeans, okay. with the Russians, and the Chinese. So this would have this we would have missed out on this opportunity and be the only group as part of this pie that would miss out anything with Iran, any part of the right. uh, diplomatic and economical relations. And if we know one thing about the Americans, we love pie. Hell There's no yeah. doubt about that. So what would be something that we'd be missing out on that Germany, the UK, the Russians, what's something that they would have gotten from the Iran deal? Uh, for, if we did not pass the Iran deal, what's something that they would have received that we would have missed out on? The Russians and the Chinese are already doing business. Okay. And so are the Europeans. Germany is the biggest country that does actually any kind of business with Iran. So It's very interesting the Germans have sided with an anti-Semitic country. <laughs> shocking, <laughs> shocking news, everybody. <laughs> Capitalism, baby. Yeah. So if, if the United States hadn't, uh, if, if we had failed in making this deal, we would have missed out on billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, we would have missed out on exactly what the Iranians are doing underneath those mountains. This allows us to actually understand what the hell is going on in Iran and keep an eye on it with with the support of the international community so we're not pulling a George Bush on Iraq type of thing 
in order to right. make sure Iran doesn't screw up and fuck around. And what a difference a president makes. I mean, if we go back to the axis of evil speech, of course, it was Iraq, North Korea, for some reason, mm-hmm. and Iran. That was that was W's stance when it comes to Iran. And this is uh, and this is Obama signing a deal where we're now. Um, you know, partners when it comes to monitoring uh, Iran's nuclear activity. Is it possible? And I want to get to uh, really quickly. I want to. I want well. First, yeah. Let's just go with that. Is it possible to monitor the actual nuclear activity of Iran, or is it going to be? Yeah. I mean, or but you know, we talk about you were talking about uh, you know Iran and how difficult it is. You know, you lose a barrel here, you lose a barrel there. Can you actually really keep your finger on it? Yeah, we can. I mean, before uh, before iPhone, we had this thing called IAEA, which is their job. That's what they do. They they've they've been involved uh, so it, with Iranian facilities for a very long time. Actually, this president, President Rouhani, and right. the Prime Minister Zarif were the first people under uh, under Khatami, the first reformist president of Iran mm-hmm. who voluntarily opened the doors to IAEA. Right. And IAEA is the International Atomic Energy Agency, right? Yes. Okay. Within KFC. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so so uh, these guys are the same people who who opened the door to, to IAEA and right. then Ahmadinejad shut it down and kicked him out because he was a hard uh, he was a hardliner and all that crap. So I is very familiar with what the Iranians are doing. This is just But they weren't able to actually stop them from refining uh uranium. No, because the Iranians So how is this deal going to be any different than what they've already been trying to do? Okay, this this I I showed Marcus a chart. Is there any way we can um we can't show this on on the podcast, can we? No, <laughs> we, can't show, we can't show a chart on a podcast. No, Simon. So, uh, so the White House, use the, your words, Simon. Yeah, you have to use right, vocals. The, the White House actually tweeted this thing today. And okay. This was sort of like the counter to uh, Netanyahu's cartoon bomb. Yes, of course. When Netanyahu, in the went dumbest, and, simplest yeah. way you can possibly explain this is that the Iranians cannot anymore enrich high high, high uranium. It's blocked at the Natanz facility, which is right. which was built to do just that. Okay, they can't because the technology is going to be like broken down to very lower percentage with IAEA's monitoring. Okay, uh, over like twenty four seven snap, whatever uh, visits they can do. They can't no longer. When you say snap visits, just like impromptu. Well, visits, they have cameras like, in there, and right. also if anyone anytime wants to show up and see what who's cooking what, right? They can they can walk in. Sort of it. what the uh, health agency does for restaurants in New York, for example. They just right. pop up on a Monday at seven a.m. when everything is filthy, right. and they, it's and they not, give you a seat. Like, like, okay, enriching uranium or plutonium is not like Seven Eleven. So it's 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 not that hard to trace it and find out what the hell is going on where in the world. It's not something you do in your basement. So right. we were worried about the Natanz facility, which is cock blocked. No one can do shit in there. Okay. The other one was the Ferdo facility, which is outside of Tehran, and that's uh, we were suspecting it to be uh, actually a military site. Okay. That's cock blocked. They can't no longer do weapons grade plutonium, which is a shortcut to developing the bomb. Right. They can't do that. It's done. And the last thing is what com- would converting uh, fissile material that you can the barrels that we were talking about missing. They right. can't do it. So right, they went from like okay, developing a car battery for a light bulb mm-hmm. to a flash uh, to 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 a, a battery for a flashlight. Okay. So it's impossible. They, the the well, thing is like what well, this is the problem that uh, I think the Republicans are 
kind of confusing the American public is the Iranians n- know how to build the bomb. Right. That is a knowledge that's in someone's head. You can't take it out. So there's nothing you can do about it. But what we're doing is we're we're prohibiting them. We're regulating them from developing the technology means mm-hmm. of getting there. Is it okay? So and they're being transparent about it, and they're saying, right. okay, instead of doing whatever percent I need to do for whatever, I'm going to do this much, and you can pop in and visit and make sure I don't do it. You don't usually take the Iranian government at its word. No, th- fuck those suckers. Right. <laughs> so what would be the reason that we should now take them at their word that they're not going to be refining uh, uh, chemical or uh, weapon-grade weapon uranium? Well, a couple of things. Because, A, Obama created a transparency where they can't fool us. They can't fake it. And as just like Obama said, and, and this time we're in control. We're behind the wheel. So even if the Russians or the Chinese want to fuck around, it's our call over them because the Iranians are right. basic. This was a deal with America, really, with the help of these other people around in P5 plus one. But it is a development. It's an economical development between these two countries, which is important because Iran was already doing business with these guys. So there's this huge transparency factor here that now we have that we did never had since 19- 1979 revolution. Right. And also money. At the end of the day, Iranians would love to drive a badass BMW than mm-hmm. having an atomic bomb. So throwing money and let capitalism destroy religion. Right. So uh, you mentioned German early, uh, Germany earlier, and a lot of people, you know, everyone likes to make their associations and their analogies. Uh, the left is calling this uh, the Richard Nixon going to China moment. That was a positive step in the right direction. That's probably the only best only good thing Kissinger and Nixon, Nixon did ever. Yeah, right, because that, that opened up a bunch of trade relations, and you know that's why all of our toys are four ninety nine or five ninety, whatever they are now. But either way, they're cheaper than they would be mm-hmm. if they were made in the United States. Okay, so we well, see not Nixon only that, going but to they're China. economically dependent on us. Right, China, we're never going to go into a war with China. Right. Right, because we owe him so much money. So, is is this a Nixon going to China moment, or as Not the even. Republicans say, is this a Neville Chamberlain going to Munich to appease the Germans as they uh, try to annex Czechoslovakia? None of that, really, because it's just it's a, neither. It's neither because it's just a business deal with a country that, be, like, kind of like North Korea, before developing a bomb, we're sort of like making sure they're not going to develop a bomb because Iran's economy. Especially with the changes in the oil gas market that's going on right now, with the United States becoming totally independent and everything else, right? It's it, it will not make a huge impact in our market. It's not Iran's not as significant geographically and strategically. It's a place that we're going to keep the peace mm-hmm. in a hellhole that's already a fucking disaster. To just giving them a little bit of money. And having him shut the fuck up. As a person who is uh, who was born in beautiful Iran, are you excited for the people of Iran? This, the the yeah. people of Iran seem to be celebrating. Of course, uh, a lot of people also uh, isolated certain protests that were still chanting death to America. But you can really blow out anything yeah. uh, you know, at any given time. It seems like the vast majority of Iranians are extremely thrilled about the idea. The and majority of Iranians do not say death to America. It's right. sort of like just highlighting the KKK in the United States saying, sure. oh, this is it. This is part... No, they're very pro-Western. And if you watch the 
photos or the videos from the celebration last night, you'd realize that there were more drunk people during the month of Ramadan in Tehran right now than they would be in Russia for New Year. Oh my God! <laughs> wow, that's an amazing amount. Nah, they were loving life. They were just and of course it was that, a freaking Mardi Gras. Right, and so when people also see them celebrating, a lot of, uh, for example, the cover of the New York Post has uh, has two of the negotiators for Iran smiling and laughing, and uh, the cover is was I have it right here in front of me. Jokes on us, you know, and they Dude, they you, see you all these people. Pe- the sentence with New York Post. Right, exactly. <laughs> Very good point. But people, you know, this is a narrative. New York Post goes all the way to News Corps to Fox and uh, and all around the world. It's a Rupert Murdoch owned Murdoch on your chin. Murdoch on your chin. <laughs> um, but what do you think about the idea of people? watching and seeing the celebrations in Iran. They're seeing these people uh, happy and celebrating, and they think that they're laughing at the United States. No. This is a country that celebrates death over life. They celebrate the death of 12 imams, all the prophets in the world. So there's almost like a death celebration every month in a very pathetic, sad way. So Iranian population, any chance they get to celebrate, they'll get the fuck out. And knowing that they're not going to get arrested, they're going to party. For example, when Iran lost to Argentina last World Cup, Mm. 1-0, people celebrated. (laughs) When they lost. (laughs) When they lost, because it was Argentina. So it's like losing to Argentina 1-0 was like, we won. Fuck How you. How sad is your country well, when oh, you lose? Man, when I was playing it, when I was in football Dude. and you were beating it when you were playing a huge fucking yeah. team, Hell if yeah. you scored two touchdowns on them, fuck, man. Dude. Like you get, you yeah. walked away from that fucking thing with the head held high. Right, you, right, right. Your right. team must have sucked as as bad as mine because four and seven. We my used friend. to <laughs> we used to kick a field. We used to kick extra points without the fucking touchdown yeah. and celebrate. Yeah, just yeah. field goals and rush the field. <laughs> Everyone. So Iran's the same thing. This is a this is a very young population 70% 75% or under under 30 35 right because everybody died during the revolution so there's, there's a huge chunk gone full right? of crystal meth opium and ecstasy and alcohol these guys just want to get out and do what they do underground mm-hmm. overground and when you get a chance like that they're going to take advantage yeah i'll tell you this man i know two iranians in my life and god damn if y'all ain't some of the hardest partying motherfuckers i know dude we got the hottest chicks in the Middle East, period. <laughs> well, yeah. If not around the world, Middle Eastern women are beautiful. I can't say the same thing about the dudes because you know the brown, short, ugly, hairy. But the girls are smoking hot. Luckiest dudes on earth, that's for sure. Yeah. So there's a ma- that's a major cultural divide and an age divide in Iran right now. The the elderly people now they're elderly who began the revolu- uh, the revolution. Oh, they should in die. Seven- yeah, they're done. So the younger generation is celebrating while they are sort of yeah. at home licking their wounds. It, it, pretty much, because one thing you'll hear the young Iranian generations keep saying over and over again is like, we're not going to do what our parents did. We're not going to fuck this shit up again. We're not going to have a revolution. Because you got to understand, in the Middle East, when you have a revolution, it's different. It's not a French revolution. Look at Syria. Look at Iraq. Look at Afghanistan. Look at all these countries. They're very fragile places so a revolution doesn't necessarily mean you're going to reboot your system and be a beast no so these guys understand from experience and their parents fuck up to realize okay we we got to take our time no Mm -hmm. matter how retarded these people are and it might take us another 40 years it's worth the patience and going through that process to get there in the safest way possible instead of just overthrowing the government yeah okay so obviously obama has a lot of backlash uh when it comes to the uh to the deal, I like and him. I th- you like you like the deal, and you like Obama only because he's black. Well, of course, why not? That's one of the that's one of his better qualities. Um, but I think the reason for the backlash is that us 
in America don't believe he's a good negotiator. Mm -hmm. Going back to the Bo Bergdahl uh, negotiation where we gave up five of Gitmo's uh, most hardened terrorists, they all looked pretty weak to me, but they were very hardened. I believe three out of those five have actually gone back to the battlefield. And we took in Bo Bergdahl, who was a deserter, who we are now putting in a worse jail, in a worse uh, setting than he was uh, in when he was over in the Middle East being held captive. We're, We're making him a captive of our own. What do you think about the Obama administration not trying to get the four hostages, the four wrongfully uh, imprisoned Americans over in Iran? Why didn't they attach that to the deal? Look, we can't go and look at these little things and compare it to the Iranian deal because Obama pulled – we're not talking about four or five hostages here. We're talking about something that Carter fucked up with the hostages, if you want to talk about the hostages in 1979-80. Well, this is where some of comparisons are being made. But this was a diplomatic negotiation between two hostile governments, one calling the other one axes of evil, the other one, the other one calling the other one the great Satan. Right. This wasn't about <laughs> like five people, six people. No, it was about two real nations in very two different parts of the world that's very sensitive, very important with – very powerful military militaries and influence right over an experience of killing each other in different parts of the world for a very long time but what about just the symbolic gesture of releasing four why couldn't they have just gotten that done oh, look the thing obama kept saying uh, and he wanted to make this clear and you know he was the man in charge right off the bat was like this isn't about the human rights this isn't about like any other beef this is 100% focus on the nuke issue so right. we can start somewhere somewhere and then hopefully develop that into bigger and other issues that we can discuss and talk about we did that with the Russians right. so it doesn't mean just because we're talking to the Iranians we need to put everything in there and get a free trail of right. out of we it. did it with the Russians but the Russians actually had nuclear weapons yeah the right? Russians so had nuclear weapons but at the we, same time we were meeting them in space and and taking selfies. So this is this is a step forward to all the things you're talking about, but we can't put everything in the salad and and try to like have a really good ingredient out of no we can't we got to make sure this was obama's thing let's start with the nuke thing which is very big very sensitive right and i'm i'm sorry but it's more important than four people so that's a that's a point to start off and then the rest of it hopefully will develop and get there because a lot of people actually criticize this obama administration for okay now you've done this so iran's right. basically another saudi arabia or pakistan where okay now we're friends but meanwhile they're executing and doing public hangings and the human rights shits out the toilet. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, I just feel like it's a little bit of a different comparison, though, with what we did with the Russians and the deals that we were making. I mean, you would have... The Russians were much bigger. Exactly. Russia was much bigger, and they were an actual... uh, Russia was Fifth Avenue, Iran 7-Eleven. Right, exactly. (laughs) I I mean, I have to... Unfortunately, I have to go to 7-Eleven. I I don't got that sex money. the 7-Eleven is in the Middle East. Right. So... But the difference is, I mean, Iran or Russia actually had intercontinental uh, ballistic missiles. I mean, Iran doesn't have anything close to that. So now no. we're going to flood them with money. They're going to have a bunch of bank going through. Like the Middle What's East to stop piece? them from using that money, though, to uh, to invest in their military infrastructure? I mean, everyone would do no, that. No, 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 no. You got to understand, Obama didn't lift all the sanctions. We're going back to Obama was more effective during his presidency towards Iran more than any other president. His Sanctions, 2010 sanctions, basically destroyed destroyed Iran's economy to a point where they fucking reached out to the United States and said, okay, enough. Can we talk? This is what Obama did. 
But this doesn't mean the, the Clinton sanctions are gone. This doesn't mean the sanctions against technology, against weapons that could be used as terrorist weapons are gone. None of that. This is a step to go back to hopefully Iran behaving and being a little bit rewarded for good behavior mm-hmm. to go back and slowly take these sanctions off and reward them with money, technology, and all the shit they need. So right. Obama's policy worked. He bitch slapped Iran with massive sanctions that mm. destroyed Iran's economy. And Iran no longer can really sell oil and shit like that because oil is cheap. Gas is cheap. And now they're coming to a table talking to the great Satan that they wouldn't do with a woman. Right, 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 right. I mean, if you tell me the great Satan's at the table, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> you, can't really, you can't really miss out on that. So when you mentioned Saudi Arabia earlier, obviously we are fighting. Marcus, did you have a question? Uh, well, I mean, I just, it's just pretty much the, the money that's flowing in. How do we know that, that money won't be flowing out towards various terrorist groups that Iran has been known to support in the past? Because this, okay, first of all, again, these sanctions are pretty complicated. We're lifting sanctions on domestic goods and things like that. Yeah, of course, there's going to be something in the middle of all this stuff that would be part of the money laundering or whatever. Right. But it's not going to be significant. You got to understand when Obama put some these major sanctions on Iran, it was put on the national banks mm-hmm. and economy. So what we're doing is we're taking a step back. We're allowing some peaceful goods as part of the import-export business that goes into Iran's private business, hopefully, Mm -hmm. filtering out the government side of it. So it's not like tomorrow we're going to do business with the uh, Revolutionary Guard that supports Hamas and Hezbollah. No, Mm -hmm. those are still part... Under the sanctions. That is not lifted. Okay. Right. We're talking about selling him cheap fucking crappy iPhones. Okay, yeah. Right. They're buying microwaves and shit. Yes, yeah. microwaves. Exactly. We're it's s- going to ruin the falafel. <laughs> right. Do not. What? They're Iranians. just replacing you, yeah. Chinese crap with like some American crap. Right. But it's, uh, it's, it's not enough to really uh, support... It's not going to juice anybody. No, it's not. And actually, this is a sign to those fuckers to realize, okay, you need to really think money instead of guns, and you'll be rewarded too. Put away that stuff, and we'll give you a little refrigerator. Okay, so going back to that question, uh, you mentioned Saudi Arabia. The Saudis and the Israelis and the United States were fighting a proxy war with the Houthis (laughs) who were being uh, financed by the Iranians in Yemen. So... A lot of people are wondering why this would be a good time to strike a deal with Iran when technically we're in some mini Vietnam in the Middle East in Yemen. The Saudis aren't happy. Israel isn't happy. The U.S. kind of went around all their backs to strike this deal with a group of people that is ki- that are killing uh, their people in Yemen. Uh, how do you weigh that? Okay, so let's 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 look at all three. Israelis support any kind of conflict in the region because it allows them to be the power, the superpower they want to be because they're the only Jewish minority in the group that doesn't give a fuck about the Sunnis or the Shiites or the conflict. So as long as there's a conflict keeping them low, the Israelis will stay up. So that's let's get rid of them. The, The Saudi Arabians and the Sunnis, our allies, are the worst enemies we've created and we were beefing with. The Taliban, Al-Qaeda, uh, uh, ISIS, these guys are rooted to the Sunni extremism that's based from Saudi Arabia. So that leaves us with only one, Iran. Now, 
We have problems with Iran, but we have common enemies with Iran. Iran went to a beef with... Uh, ta- uh, excuse me, guys. Not a problem. <laughs> it's not a political discussion without We have some to burps. take that out. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. It, it is, so uh, all you people on the live stream are getting some of the uh, behind the scenes. I like the burp. Keep the burp in. <laughs> so the, we've had... We've had uh, Iran and the United States have had the same old common enemies forever. Taliban in Afghanistan, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, all of them. And the ISIS and the Sunni extremism that's all based out of Saudi Arabia Wahhabism is actually what the Iranians and the Americans have in common. So Obama realized at some point, okay, there's one group of, there's a country there, Israelis, that don't give a shit about anything as long as everything else is a mess. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Saudis who are actually the problem and everything is based on that. And the Iranians are a problem. But if we work with the Iranians and we pay them off and bring them on board, we can get rid of some of the issues that we have in common in the Middle East and keep them happy to keep peace in the region. Because the Iranians have a huge influence in the region, like you said, in Yemen, in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, everywhere. So right. it, it was the best deal we could have made out of a bad deal or a no deal. Yeah. I love awkward tension and I love awkward conversations. Can you imagine how do you think it went when Obama called Netanyahu to explain the deal to him? Because Netanyahu, who I am not a fan of, he ran, uh, for those that don't recall, he ran against a, uh, I forget the name of the guy that he ran against uh, over there in Israel. And uh, he ran an extremely anti-Muslim campaign towards the end. And uh, Oh, yeah, he straight up said, don't let the Arab Israelis who vote for the Israeli system win. Right. And so how do you think that conversation went with Netanyahu when Obama spoke with him? And how is that going to uh, sort of uh, harm the relationships with the U.S. and Israel? And is the U.S.-Israel relationship as important as it used to be in the Middle East? It's not. I think Obama's the first president who's actually figured it out. Uh, We've always – like, okay – I think Obama's the first president. Oh, really quickly, Herzog. Yeah, Isaac yeah. Herzog. Isaac Herzog. Okay. So Obama's the first president who's actually putting American interest over Israeli interest in the Middle East region. Okay. Doesn't mean we're beefing with the Israelis, but the Israelis are a very, very tiny percentage of what's going on in the Middle East. That's actually part of the problem. So this bias. Hundred percent support of like blinded support of the Israelis in the last many several decades right. has been a mistake. It doesn't mean we're excluding them. It's not like all of a sudden Israel's a bad guy here, but it means no more biased one way support of Israel and keeping the other guys in mind. And we have to we have to work within a group. So that pisses Netanyahu off because obviously he, he doesn't he hates Iran. I think he thinks that's. The biggest That's, threat to Israel, yeah. but it, it's not an American for for, for the first. You don't time, believe that Iran is uh, the biggest uh, threat to Israel? No, dude. Israel's like the fourth biggest nuclear country in the world, right. and they're as they're as big as Brooklyn. Yeah, nobody's a threat to Israel because America and all these other countries would step in. There's it, it is not a threat, and no one's going to use nuke weapons anymore. Let's be realistic; it's suicide. Right. Yeah, I mean Israel's like established. They're done. They're done. And I think you can't get rid of them. Yeah, you can't. They are going to be there forever. Yeah, that's what. I, and I think that's what Israel really plays on is that they. It's it's like it's it's the exact same thing that the evangelicals and Christians here in America do is right. that they play themselves to be a persecuted 
minority and they play that it's like bullshit. how they're like and yes they there are, are people that are against them but they are established they're not fucking going anywhere they're Israel not going anywhere is not it is established it's done it's they're there armed to their right. fucking teeth and they're very powerful and everyone understands that they know it but this definitely is a situation where uh the government of iran they have benefited you would say this is a victory for the government of iran I would say this is a win-win-win situation, again, because it's... Which good. is very difficult. Again, going back, we just fought... I just watched a great documentary called The Battle of Marjar, uh, which was in 2010 in Afghanistan. We just got out of a massive war in the Middle East, and Iran was... Uh, the axis of evil and uh, you know we have a bunch of people coming back to this country injured or dead and we've fought we've cost billions and billions we've spent billions and billions of dollars on this war I feel like people are just upset with the idea that now the Iranian government has won it hasn't this is why I like the Obama thing again because the way I see this it's it's like a little bit of chemotherapy to a stage 4 cancer mm. At the end of the day, Iranian pop Iranians, the people are pro Western. They they would wear these American flag T shirts like I put it on my Twitter out in the streets and stuff like that. And this is a regime, it's an artificial regime based on really outdated, stupid religious stuff. Right. It is not going to last. For a minute it's gonna relieve some pain because the people were just about to get to the boiling point, like in Egypt and Tunisia. Right. And so that's gonna relieve some of that pressure. Right. But this is not a regime that is going to stay. So the, what these, if Obama wouldn't have signed this deal? I mean, obviously we spoke earlier in the show about us the US losing billions and billions of dollars with trade deals and stuff like that, the Europeans and the Russians uh have and the Chinese but what what if uh, it would have just boiled over and there would have been another, uh, you know, sort of another um, well, uprising would, in Iran, sure. and then that would have destabilized Iran even more? Wouldn't that have helped the United States? That is the that would that would have been the plan B that the conservatives would love to see. Right. But no, it's it's that doesn't that does all that means it's another in instable, very fucked up part of the world that's actually in a bigger mess now because Iran's a very big country and it's a very powerful country and you don't want to see that. It's like seeing Pakistan in a civil war with nuclear weapons and shit like that. You don't want that. It, right. it would not have been it would not have been good because the Sunni Shiite conflict in the region would be times 500. And that is not what you want. And it's not good for the it's not actually good for the Israelis. It's not good for the United States. We don't want that. Stability stability is good for everybody. So do you think Iran is now as stable as it was or becoming as stable as it was when the Shah was in power? It's a it's a more stable uh out of control country. It's right. it's tough to explain because okay, organically this system's not going to work. Like if, if the religious system, if the theocracy, it's not it going yeah. to theocracy, and that's the thing, Iran's a theocracy. It's like one step away from real democracy. Right. So it, this is not. They just got to get rid of that fucking dickhead on top, and that's it. It's done. Then we have the same constitution as the United States, basically. Mm. It is not going to work. So this is just going to give it a little bit of breathing room, and then eventually, hopefully, people like these douchebags, um, which douchebags, Rouhani and Zarif, who are still supporting the system, but they're the reformists, the you know more more, more liberal ones. Right. Their children are going to take it to where it needs to go. Well, say Kamini dies tomorrow. Kamini. Kamini already died. Yeah. yeah. All right. Com so it's Kamini and Kamini? 
Khomeini, Khomeini. Uh, Khomeini was mm. the founding father of the fucking revolution. Right. He died in 88 and he was more extremist than this guy. This guy's Khomeini. Khomeini. He's the That supreme leader. <laughs> so they, 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 <laughs> I think it's just going to be Khomeini and it's just going to be... Uh, yeah, just add an A. It'll just be many. Yeah. So say he dies tomorrow. Does he get replaced or does that destabilize Iran's... He uh, gets replaced. Okay. He will get replaced, but history says things keep getting more moderate and moderate. Mm-hmm. Right. And the support of the... Like what happened right now with Obama and all mm-hmm. the pictures and the videos you saw from Tehran yesterday just are signals of where Iran will be and go to in the future well, without, a, without a revolution. We're actually talking to somebody on the chat here uh, named uh, Deba. She's Iranian. Her grandparents live in Iran. She was talking to them on Skype last night, and they're ecstatic. Right. Like even yeah. the older generation. You know, it's not just young people that are excited about this. And I asked her why, and she said the sanctions. She said the sanctions, they right. couldn't take it anymore. Like Dude, they, weren't, yeah, they weren't able crushing. to send money to anybody like, living abroad or anything like that. Like right. They said it was just crushing them. This goes back to what you were saying about how do, you, how do we know they're not going to use the money to do other things. Ex- these sanctions were so deep, so right. deep, so difficult that people weren't even able to like, support their children abroad because the banks were stuck under the sanctions so right. you couldn't even send $50 to somebody it was very it, these were really harsh times and finally they realized the government realized okay if we don't do something about it if we don't wax the great sins Johnson we're going to have a revolution in this country right. because the middle class is almost done. Well, mm-hmm. you mentioned history and how that tends to lead to more moderate governments. I don't know if that's necessarily true because you have oftentimes these things are secular. You have what's happening in Russia right now where Putin wants to take it straight back. Um, who wants to take it back to the good old days, I said, of, uh, of the USSR and things like that. He wants to take Crimea. He would like to get Ukraine back. He wants to go back. Yeah. To a more traditional, uh, traditional Soviet Union. Right. He was like fucking KGB agent. What do you want? Well, right. But what I'm saying is what happens in 10 to 15 years after these sanctions? It's very hard to tell lifted. someone you, everything you've done in your life is wrong. Well, well, that's very, very true. God you know. knows I get told that every single day. And I'm like, I agree. <laughs> um, but what happens in 10 to 15 years? This, the deal is no longer active. Everything is done. Uh, the Iranian people, uh, maybe they feel as if the Western culture is, is too influencing on them. Like you were talking about no. uh, in an interview that I overheard, talking about when Leonardo, if Leonardo DiCaprio would go over to no. Iran right now, he would be the president of Iran immediately. What would happen? Do you think that it's possible that they're going to have 10 to 15 years no. here and then go Go uh, more hardline. In 10, 15 years, Iranians will be looking forward to seeing Hooters. Hooters yeah. branches. Hooters, the, the, the restaurant. The no, restaurant yeah, yeah. in different parts of Persian the country. Hooters. I want to go to Persian Hooters. Yeah. I, oh, that's <laughs> we should trademark that. No, th- this is money. This is comfort. This is good. So right. you get to fucking do everything you want to do and and try to do it even better the next year. So right. in 10, 15 years, it's not going to be like, yeah, all this crap has been terrible. We need to go back to Taliban. No, even the Taliban's talking business with the United States today. It, capitalism fucking wins, dude. I'm right. sorry. It, it's, it's, it truly, money and greed is our best strength and weakness.
Yeah. I want to take it back domestically just really quick to wrap it up. Um, Marcus, you mentioned the word Persian. That's the exact same word that Donald Trump used to uh, describe how great negotiators the Iranians are. The Persians are great negotiators. <laughs> the Persians. How do you think I this? Love, do you, I love Persian. The I just Persians. Love this Persian. motherfucker. It's so old. He thinks like, it's so, it's like. The Spartans are great fighters. It's like shut the fuck up, you moron. He insulted yeah. and and he and he thought he was being smart about it. Like, yeah. look, motherfucker, eighty million Iranians are not Persians. <laughs> They're fucking Iranians from very different ethnicities, and it's like calling the right. Americans the Germans because eighty percent of the first immigrants yeah. were Germans. It's so much fun to say Persian. It's a great name. He was yeah. trying to be classy about being being a racist fuck. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, how do you think this deal? has played into the um... can I mention he's blocked me on Twitter yes you can <laughs> Donald Trump blocked you on Twitter thank you very much I have two two good things about Twitter to just very quickly say Iron Sheik is a is a follower mm-hmm, he follows yes. me yeah. and Donald Trump has blocked me uh, Boom. Perfect. Thank you. That's perfect. <laughs> we discussed before you came on El Chapo being the Iron Sheik of drug dealers. Can you uh, fucking believe that? Oh, man. It's amazing. <laughs> Whitey Milk Shitter. Dude. Whitey Milk Shitter. It's incredible. That's crazy. Um, how do you think this deal has, uh, because of the time it Do you think it was me- upset? I'm sorry. In, no, in the middle. Do you think it was pissed off when those guys uh, escaped from New York? He's like, motherfuckers. Oh, El Chapo? <laughs> Damn, yeah. my oh, my God. We talked about it. I they mean- fucked up my calendar. My shit's in three weeks. Oh, El Chapo! Uh, El Chapo! They they escaped in a trailer park. El Chapo escaped in a mansion. Beautiful. I mean, he had a he yeah. Had they a said that there were motorcycle. Work- the whole thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, the ski sec- jets. The second time he's escaped from the same prison. He escaped from this prison back in two thousand one. They put him in the same room, probably. <laughs> Do it the same tunnel. I, it said that we're working on this tunnel for over a year. Yeah. Wow. It's unbelievable. Someone had to hear that anyway. Of and you're worried about Iran. The government's embedded. Okay, good point. So Donald Trump using uh, immigration, things like that. He's he's like number two, number number one or number two in a lot of the polls. I Granted, like number two. He is number two. He is number two. I agree with you on that. <laughs> What do you think about the timing of the Iranian deal? It being that our election cycles are far too long. Again, we talked about it earlier. I think there's 14 and a half months, 15 months until the, the actual election. We should – in the UK, it's 60 days. Yeah. You start and you end in two months. It's perfect. But the timing of it, do you think that has uh, – is that one of the reasons that Obama's gotten such a huge backlash because uh, – from this Iranian well, yeah, deal? yeah. I mean this is a good campaign uh, bite or, or – or Sound bite, yeah. Sound or content for, for anyone who's – promoting themselves for the next regime change in United States. Yeah, and these guys are going to try to go after it big time. I mean, Obama had uh, two conservatives to fight, the conservatives in Iran and conservatives in United States. Mm. So now the beef with the Republicans happened. But it's over, man. This is done. Like, there's, I don't right. think they're going to be able to change this. It's not going no. to happen. It's stupid because yeah. at the end of the day, even these douchebags are going to go home. They're going to close that door, talk to their wives, and be like, he did good. Right. Right. And of course, for those, uh, if it would require it, it'll probably uh, be voted on throughout uh, the House and uh, and the Senate. And it might have to go back to Obama's desk for a veto. Um, But of course, he will veto it. And then after that, the Senate and the House would both have to have a two thirds majority in order to overturn it. That's not going to happen. And uh, so the law is uh, is what it is. Uh, for better or for worse, what are, do you have any negative things? Is there anything in this deal that you would have liked to see? No, um, nothing. No, because the only alternative, the only other option besides this, would be 
and all that war, that wouldn't be just Iran. It would actually spread out in all parts of the Middle East, which is already fucked up, but times 20. And that's not an option because at the end of the day, us Americans are too comfortable and we are not going to send our, our kids again to the Middle East to die over there. Right. We'll pay it. We'll pay and buy off whatever we can. But we're not going to do that. It's not World War II. Right. Awesome. All right. Very interesting. I love it. Very, I understand this now. I understand it more now. Good, because I got to go back and listen and figure out what the fuck I was talking about. Perfect. I can understand it. <laughs> no, awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Saman. You can find Saman Arbabi on Twitter, at Saman Arbabi. And I'll tell you one thing. His Instagram is heating up, and that's at Samanism. If you want to see some balls, <laughs> there you His go. His Instagram is really heating up the charts. It's, it's going up. straight to number one, kid. That's right. <laughs> He's doing some crazy hip movements. He's the real chubby checker of Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, thank chubby you, guys. It's been uh, wonderful, you, wonderful. Was This thing happened live, right? Yeah. This is live, and then it'll come out later on today. And uh, thank you for, for the one big tweet we got from Diva. Mm-hmm. Thank right. you, thank you, Diva. Yeah, she says they don't want the Kardashians over there. They're not Persian enough. Ah. They're not. They're Armenian. <laughs> that's great. Any any uh, questions from the live chat at all? No, 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 no. I think that's about it, man. Yeah, we answered all the questions. Fuck it. We're done. We answered every <laughs> question. People that's... are like, what the fuck just happened? They're going to uh-huh. fucking... You can commit suicide now. It's all no, good. do not. <laughs> no, do no, not no. do that. All right. That's at Marcus Parks on Twitter. I'm at Ben Kissel. And uh, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.